the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 248. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Steph. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of April 29th through May 12th. We have a total of two and a half books, kind of, to cover, because we will be covering this short story that was in DC Nation related to Batman. That'll be after we cover the normal Batman issue. Then we have just one bit of news and one comment. So, hypothetically, could be a shorter episode, maybe not. We'll see. All right, so let's get into the news. The first thing we've got is, the first and only thing we've got, is on May 10th, we wrote up an article. There was a number of different things that was kind of news, kind of announced backhandedly by DC. This is kind of a discussion point in general. So DC made a couple of announcements, but it was not themselves who made these announcements because these are not things that they want to broadcast and have everyone get upset about. First up is that all DC titles that are ongoings will now be priced at $3.99. This is up from the $2.99 the majority of the books that have been publishing twice per month have been at. Um, as it turns out, I believe this is starting in June with certain books, but it's going to be going like full time in July. The Batman number 50, which was supposed to be oversized, is oversized and is at priced at $3.99. But after Batman 50, all Batman issues will be priced at $3.99 as well. Without an up of additional pages by any means, or if you remember correctly, back when they upped the price of the initial batch of books after Rebirth, they had a bunch of books that were priced at $2.99. They upped them to $3.99. It was all they changed the monthly books. So all the books that were just publishing once a month, they upped them to $3.99. And at the time, the reason behind that was that they said that they were including digital copies or digital codes so that you could redeem digital copies of those those print issues that you were purchasing. The issue is that now it seems that the digital codes are going away too. So not only will the books that are $2.99 right now go up in price to $3.99, but the digital codes that were the reason why all the other books were at $3.99, are, those codes are all going away. So there's absolutely no incentive to pay the $3.99 because they're, you're just getting the same book that you were getting at $2.99. There's no additional pages. There's nothing additional that you're getting out of the interaction of you paying $3.99 per comic. So I think that by itself is going to upset some people because paying an extra dollar per comic book is a big deal. I mean, that's basically a 33% increase for your comic for no other reason than just DC wants a little bit more money. Is that because sales are down or or they can't afford to do the digital or do they give any explanation? Nope, no explanation whatsoever. The announcement of the, the price increase came from, I believe, Comicspeed. And the, basically it was just basically DC reaching out to, I guess, a, whoever would report the story 
and not make it into a you know negative piece about DC upping their prices. And Comic Speed just happened to be the ones, I guess, who who answered the call and said, you know, they just laid it out and said, this is what's happening. And then the digital code, I believe, that was announced. That was actually in the works a couple weeks ago. And I remember Bleeding Cool reporting about the codes sporadically disappearing from some of the 399 issues. Then overnight, the full week's worth of comics just suddenly didn't have them. Now, it's not to say that they couldn't bring back the digital codes at some point. That is entirely possible. That's not to say that they're going to bring back the digital codes. But I think the big thing here is, do you think that with Rebirth, one of the pushing points of Rebirth, one of the the main highlights, bullet points that DC was trying to push was that the comics were $2.99. Now that the comics are $3.99, two years after, do you think this is good for the industry as a whole or bad? I mean, I don't know about the industry, but I mean with times what they are and there's inflation and there's no way you can promise a price 10, five years ago and then expect that to stay for the rest of eternity. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Apples don't cost a nickel no more. Yeah. Batman versus Superman quote. Nobody. No. (laughs) Okay. I remember that quote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, do I wish comics were cheaper? Yes. Do I understand why they cost more? Yes. My only concern or problem about the price increase stuff um you know really is i still don't understand why digital costs the same as a print copy i don't understand that either. i just yeah and that and that's the other thing uh all the digital, <laughs> I can't get that all the digital releases are all going up in price too so it's not as if there's any incentive to buy a digital copy i mean and here's the thing uh, i was reading some article and they were saying well the, the the cost of something that's digital is the same like if you go to buy a movie a new release movie and you go you go to buy it and in the store you're going to pay you know twenty dollars for a movie if you go online and you try to buy that digital copy it's going to be twenty dollars too and that's true i'm not going to deny that that is the case but there's doesn't make it right either but but there's two distinct problems we there's a lot of people who have collected movies and buy movies over the years who have realized that the studios are making a boatload of money off the digital stuff and there's like way less overhead there's you're not actually they're not giving you anything tangible for yourself they don't have to actually give you anything other than just give you access to something and that's the thing so most of the time you'll and you'll see this and i can speak from my own personal interactions with digital stuff because I, over the last couple of years, have started to switch over to digital in relation to not comics, but in relation to movies. I used to have a collection of like 1,200 DVDs and Blu-rays, and I pared it down, and I pared it down, and eventually I got I, I couldn't keep paring it down because I was starting to get rid of stuff, and then I realized the only way to go was to go digital, and this was back... In the early day, nah, this was like two years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. But I spent in the entire spring season going through all of my movies and slowly trying to figure out what was the best way to get them into digital format without having to pay a full price for a movie. And there are services out there where there's one I, I know online where if you own the disc and you put it in your computer, there's a program which will scan the disc and they'll give you the ability to buy a digital copy of certain movies, not all movies, but certain movies for just a low price of like a dollar or two dollars in some cases. So the thing is, I I did that. I did that with a lot of my movies and I thinned out my collection significantly. But the thing is, 
I buy movies, most movies that I buy now are digital. There's very few exceptions where I buy actual physical discs. And, and the, the exceptions are mostly Batman, Justice League, DC-related stuff. And then there's some other stuff that are just really good movies that look really good on Blu-ray. Digital just doesn't just doesn't stack up to it at this point just because... Not quite there. Yeah, yeah. Just, and it's, it more, more has to do with the idea that internet speeds aren't where they really need to be in order to have really, really, really crystal clear imaging and sound. So that's part of the reason. But I buy most of my stuff digitally, and I can tell you there is this desire to buy stuff for some people. There's a desire to buy stuff right away when it comes out. And if you do that, you will be paying exactly the same price as the disc. In some cases, maybe it might be a little bit cheaper because most digital movies that come out, you get for like 15, 20 bucks. If you actually go to the store and you're not buying it on sale, you could pay $25, $30 depending on where you go. I mean, there are some places where they try to charge $35 for certain like special edition DVDs. Good luck. That is mm-hmm. ridiculous, but those places tend to go out of business as the time as time progresses. Anyway, the point of me saying all of this is the digital stuff actually is slightly cheaper if not if you're not taking any sales into consideration. The other thing is after four weeks, almost all the digital releases drop in price significantly. And on top of that, they're constantly on sale. And I know that DC through Comixology has sales and things like that. And I know that they have periodically they'll have like 99 cent sales where they'll have like hundreds of issues for only 99 cents. And that's great, but the problem is that most of the time that stuff that's excluded from those sales is anything that's released within the last six months. And that's a huge problem because if your intent is to try to get everybody to start transitioning to digital, you cannot be charging the exact same price as you are for a physical comic. I mean, like, you just can't. If you're doing it because you think it's cheaper or because it's a convenience factor, like, oh, I'm going to charge... $4 for this comic because you don't have to go to the comic shop. You can literally just pick up your tablet and hit buy, and now it's on your tablet. That still doesn't make any sense because the whole reason people switch to digital is because of convenience, not because of any other reason. So the thing is, like, if the intent is to try to get more people to switch to digital and the price change is increasing for comics, then you keep the price cheaper on on the digital side. I also know that DC lowers the price of their comics I want to say, like, the, the normal new release stuff that comes out, I, I want to say it's, like, six months, but I, I can't speak for sure because I don't buy a lot of digital stuff. But I know that there's a specific time frame because we used to cover the digital releases as they came out when they were, you know, uploading more and more comics. We used to cover it on the site, and there was a certain point where the comics would immediately price drop. And it's this, it was following some sort of same sequence as, like, the returnability of comics for comic shops. But anyway, the thing is, if DC wants people to be buying digital more often, more frequently, because there's less overhead and it's less cost for them, then the thing that would make the most sense is make the digital stuff cheaper. Just make it cheaper. Make it half as much, and then you'll get a bunch of people to switch over to digital. And then it'll be more incentive for... It'll, you'll, you'll build more customers digitally, which is what you want to do because you don't have the overhead. So, Well, the other thing, too, with me is... Do you, this is welcome to showing my age with Ed. So, <laughs> Dustin, do you remember when you could actually get a subscription for like a Batman comic and it would come in the mail? Yes, Dude. I do. Actually, 10 years ago when I started doing the comic cast, I subscribed through DC for all of the Bat books. 
Because I and, thought that that was the way to do it because I didn't know how else to do it because when I was a kid, I had subscriptions through DC. So, wouldn't it be, even if they only chopped you a discount, shouldn't there be like a DC app or the website or whatever, if you could buy like Batman and buy a one-year subscription for two bucks an issue and you get it digitally delivered to you? I mean... Yeah, you would think there would be something like that. I mean, that play, th- there are some people who are theorizing that the upcoming DC streaming service isn't going to be strictly, you know, TV show and movie related. It, there's a potential that it could include something related to the comics. There's no word. They have never said anything like that. But the idea that suddenly the prices of everything have gone up for the comics right before there because I'm pretty sure they're going to make the big announcement about DC Universe in regards of like when it's launching which I'm expecting the launch date to be somewhere in, in September October time frame just because they're going to do it before Christmas and that makes perfect sense to do it but there's rumors out there that the DC streaming service could include something comic related whether it be access now, I don't know this, but I know I've my understanding is that Marvel offered some sort of digital subscription service in relation to like the back catalog of comics. Like you had access for how much ever you paid a month, you could access this huge library of of comics, and they switched out every month or every couple months or whatever. So like it wasn't like you had access to everything nonstop. But they had access to it, and it was some sort of digital thing. I don't know exactly what it was or how it worked, but I know that I, I remember seeing press releases for it that happened in my inbox just because I'm on email lists for comic conventions as press. But I don't know. I've seen it too. It's like the Marvel something. It was like everything of like six months or past. It was called Marvel Unlimited or something. Yeah. But they were, at least they tried something. Yeah, like, they tried something, and, that, and they might still have it. I don't know. I have no knowledge of it other than just the initial announcements and things like that. But if they do do something like that with this streaming service, which I've noticed that initially was called a streaming service, the latest press releases, did actually give it the name DC Universe. There's two unique things about that. One, there was a report that I saw that said that Warner Brothers has trademarked the, the name DC Universe for like basically every piece of merchandise you could ever imagine, meaning that they could put the name DC Universe on. You think of it; it's in this crazy long list. And uh, but it also includes like a number of specifically digital related things that I don't want to go into the finer details of it because it's it's one of those things where it gets too technical. But the idea is that it's not just a streaming service. I, I did, and I, the funny thing is, if it turns out that it is just Here's a back catalog of a bunch of cartoons that are DC-related. Here's some new series like Titans and Young Justice, and that's it. Fine. I don't understand why they called it DC Universe. I know I'm getting off topic here. I don't know why they called it DC Universe instead of something like DC Now or something like that. Since everybody, all the other channels out there that have some sort of service like HBO Now, Showtime Now, Discovery Now, or you know, or Go or whatever. I mean, like, it's either Go or Now. And DCU is taken. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the DC Universe seems like a weird thing to, you know, the, they can't do, like, DC Universe Unlimited or DC Unlimited because it's too close to the DC Unlimited online game that they came up with that is still going, apparently. That thing's still going? Yeah, I saw a video recently showing that they were releasing some new story pack, and I was like, well, I guess stuff like that just doesn't die. But, it doesn't die. 
But anyway, so the other part of the the news that was part of the price increase was around the same time they also announced that the young animal imprint is coming to a end slash pausing indefinite hiatus slash pause. So basically what ended up happening was Gerard Way made a statement saying that he, he specifically said, I want to give everyone an update on Young Animal. In August, Shade, Cave Carson, and Mother Panic will end at issue six, as we originally planned, alongside Eternity Girl. It's been an incredible run for each of them, and I'm so thankful to all the writers and artists who began this journey with me and who created such incredible stories. Now, what's really interesting about this statement is, one, I never remember seeing anything over the course of the time before the Milk Wars crossovers happened, before back in last fall when they announced that the original series were going to end and they were going to be taking some of the stuff in new directions after the Milk Wars. And then even before, or even when the new series like Mother, pa- Mother Panic Gotham AD started up or the other versions like Shade the Changing Woman and some of the other ones, I didn't see anything anywhere saying that these were only going to be six issues. I just didn't. And maybe I missed it, but I didn't see anything saying that they were ending after six issues, which I see, I, it seems strange. But the other main issue with Young Animal and the reason why it seems to be ending is that the main book, Doom Patrol, has had massive issues with getting new books out. I don't personally read Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol but I know based off of just covering comic news and DC news and stuff that Doom Patrol has been plagued with delays and... I know that the imprint stuff is not necessarily supposed to be tied specifically to a schedule, but there has been times where issues have been solicited, they haven't been released, they get delayed, they get delayed, and then they just get canceled. It's got to come out generally on time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the idea out there, the theory is that Young Animal's getting canceled because Gerard Way, who is the writer for Doom Patrol, just doesn't have the time. And in turn, the Young Animal stuff, because it's not as a cohesive unit as it I guess maybe DC wants it to be. They're just putting it on a pause for right now. Maybe he gets more issues in the can for Doom Patrol and then potentially start something back up in the future. But at this point, they're not saying it will start back up. They're just saying this is it for now. So, I mean, now, to be fair, DC did say when Young Animal started that this was a pop-up imprint, which implies that It's not going to be around forever. They've said the same thing about some of the other stuff that they're doing. Specifically, there's a imprint that Brian Michael Bendis is supposed to be starting up. That's not the Jinx World stuff, but there's also the Jinx World pop-up stuff that they talked about. There's also the Sandman universe, which is supposed to be not permanent, but, you know, ongoing for the time being. So the question is... Do you think that these imprints, which the intent of the imprints has always been to try to get new readers to read comics, by ending the imprints within only two, three years, do you think it's serving its purpose? I mean, I guess if it got new readers, but why can't they just call it like a limited series, a mini series? Like if they if it had an expiration date, why does it got to be a pop up imprint? Why can't it just be a limited series? I agree with that. Isn't that what they've done in the past? They put out a limited series, test the waters, and if I like it, put out more. If they like it, put out more instead of just yep. committing to something and then, oops, pull the plug. It seems like a weird way to go about it. Like, yeah. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like somebody was watching like Discovery Channel and they were showing up one of these like a pop-up bistros like in Chicago or something, <laughs> right? And they were like, that's cool. We should do pop-up comic book imprint. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Too cute by two. Which is, which I mean, which is extremely unfortunate because 
I, I know that there's fans of them. I know that it's one of those things where I can see the sales numbers. The sales numbers for all of the young animal stuff is not super high. But then again, everybody always says that when the stuff keeps happening, like keep, they keep releasing new books, they don't cancel the stuff. It's because the, the stuff sells well in digital or sells to a degree digitally that makes it okay for it not to be selling as well physically. That's why Bombshells United has lasted as long, or Bombshells, the, that whole thing has lasted as long as it has, as well as Injustice, which has lasted, I mean, we talked about this last episode, it's Forever. been on for like six or seven <laughs> years, and it just it just keeps going. And the physical sales are not great. I mean, they are well below the, the point of cancellation that we normally go by. But they keep doing them because they clearly sell well digitally. So the question is, you know, if they sell well digitally, is it worth it to end the stuff? I mean, my thing is this. Okay, obviously, if Gerard Way, who's supposed to be the person behind the imprint, if he doesn't have the time or the ability to keep doing it, obviously, it kind of falls apart in, in, in general. Because if DC's not dictating this writer does this book and this artist does that book... And the ideas that are coming up, like the idea of doing Cave Carson or Shade or Mother Panic, if those ideas are coming from Gerard Way, but then he's taking a back seat and saying, you know what, I can't, I don't have time to do this, then I get why they would need to cancel it. But at the same point, it seems like a bad idea to like do something that you're, the, the intent is to get more fans, to get more readers, but then completely eliminate the entire group of books that you're specifically targeting. You know, you're targeting a specific audience for a group of books, and then you just get rid of all of them at the same time. It just seems like a bad idea. The only reason it wouldn't be a bad idea was that if the imprint was a total failure. It's true, yeah. I mean, it's it, right? I mean, it could be a good thing for the industry as a whole because, in theory, if those people suddenly don't have any young animal stuff to read, they might go search for something else from another publisher. If DC doesn't have anything even remotely close to it, they might go search for something from another publisher and come across something. But that's not helping DC. That's just helping the industry. And, I'm, and I, I would love to give DC credit for potentially helping the industry as a whole. But that's not what they're doing, and that's not what they're supposed to be doing as a company who has to worry about sales and things like that. So, no, and and I like Mother Panic a lot. So, absolutely, that's my personal two cents on it. All right, so that is all of our news. There is no new news outside of that. Um, if you have been paying attention to the site. You may have noticed that the last couple of weeks, uh, more than the last couple of weeks, but there hasn't been a last week in the Batcave. That was because I was on vacation and then Jessica had had some projects that she needed to take care of. But as you're listening to this, last week in the Batcave is back the next couple of weeks and there'll be going on a little bit of a break in June. But last week in the Batcave is back and there's a lot of art coming up uh, that's being released for Batman number 50 because there's a lot of artists that are attached outside of the normal artists for Batman 50. I'm not sure. Like when you look at the list, Frank Miller, Jim Lee, Greg Capullo, Andy Kubert, Mikkel Janning, Clay Mann, Joel Jones, David Finch, Tony Daniel, they're all attached to this one issue that is slightly oversized, but not like crazy, like 80 page oversized. And there was some concern about whether or not there is too many artists on the book. And Tom King recently responded that something to do with the narrative of the issue dictates that there is a need for a large number of artists, whatever the heck that means. So I'm interested to see what ends up happening with Batman number 50 
for more than one reason, obviously to see if they actually go through with the wedding, which I still hope they do. But then obviously the need for, you know, 10 something artists on a 40 page book is, seems a little excessive, but a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to dive into our comic book reviews. And the first one we've got is Batman. Batman. Number 44, 40R, number 46, depending what day we're doing this. Batman number 46, The Gift Part 2, writer Tom King, artist Tony Daniel. So, Booster Girl Gold breaks Catwoman out of prison, and in this version of reality, she only says the word meow. Thomas Wayne and Bruce are having a conversation, and Thomas is so depressed slash disheartened slash stressed out by the state of things in Gotham that he has a heart attack. This appears to be a heart attack or stroke, I suppose. Booster then tries to make Catwoman a cat suit to try to get Bruce's attention slash affection so he can fix the timeline that he screwed up. And then they go off to Wayne Manor after he makes him what is definitely supposed to be, I'm assuming, an homage to the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman costume from Batman Returns. They go off to Wayne Manor where he tries to introduce her as being cute, which, of course, should solve the situation completely. And she kills Martha and Thomas. And then Dick Grayson, Batman, who has been trying to kill Booster, shows up, and, and Bruce Bruce shoots and kills him. And that's kind of where we end it, with Booster on the ground going, yeah, I'm sure I fixed it all, because I'm a hero. And to be concluded next month, this is only a three-part story, right? I hope so. It is. So, I got a couple things for you here. Does Tom King seem to have this weird, like, fetish with Selena Kyle being a serial killer? Because this is the second time we've seen him turn her into a serial killer. And this time it looks like she might actually be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, well, she she is for sure after the events of this issue, right? She killed three people. <laughs> so my question is, why does Tom King have a fetish about Selena Kyle as a serial killer? And why in the world does Booster Gold think taking a person who can't speak and just showing her off and she's cute means Bruce Wayne's going to instantly fall in love with her and fix the timeline? Because that, even if that happened, that wouldn't have fixed the timeline. So what's up? So here's the thing. So like for your first question, I, I can't speak to Tom King's fetishes. I'm guessing maybe at a future convention we can ask him that question. But Love to. can't speak to that. And I don't know why the, there is this necessity to have her as a serial killer, but then reveal that she's not. And then in this situation, she actually is. That all being said, your second question, I think the easiest answer here, and probably the one that makes the most sense, is just Booster is being presented as a complete moron. I mean, like, he just seems to be, he, he keeps making, like, the worst possible choices for no other reason than for the, to, just to keep this story going in the most out-of-the-way direction that you could possibly think. I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why exactly the story is necessary, knowing that the wedding is is literally, like, two months away, but... This is happening, and I don't get it, and I don't understand what the necessity... Here, here's the thing. Booster Gold might be thinking to himself, okay, yes, Selena Kyle, if I put her in front of Bruce Wayne, maybe it'll be love at first sight. Maybe that's the way he's thinking it. But I don't think that is... Obviously, I don't think that that's actually going to happen. Um, I don't know. It, there's so many problems with this, the, the, the idea of what this is. But I can, but I'm not like super upset about it just because I think I'm more upset about the idea that it's, it's just feels like it's wasting time. There's just, it, it's, it's a three issue story arc that is wasting time so that we can get to the wedding that has to be for whatever reason it had to be at a specific date. 
But other than that, I I cannot see why this story had to happen. I mean, like, if there, there's nothing wrong with, like, featuring a character that doesn't get featured a lot in your series. I mean, like, we're going to see Black Lightning Detective Comics um, come June. So it's not as if, and, and that hasn't happened since Outsiders back in 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, it's clearly been, and that wasn't even in Detective Comics. It was just Batman and Black Lightning. So I'm saying, like... There's nothing wrong with having a character that is not featured that much and bring them in for a story. That's fine. But, like, this just doesn't feel like it has any reason whatsoever to even be here. Not only not only are we, are we, are we just prolonging getting to the wedding or having more stuff related to the wedding happen, but... We know that it's not going to. We know it's not in continuity. We know that nothing that's happening here is going to have any effect on anything that's happening in the present timeline, normal timeline. So the thing is, like, I just, I think I'm more upset about it just existing than I am about the actual story. The actual story, it just is. It's like reading a three issue miniseries that is just completely off the wall. Doesn't make any sense. Somebody just decided to have a lot of fun. And it's not bad in that regard, but because it's taking place in the main Batman title at this exact time is why it just is is mind-boggling and frustrating. My issue is more these issues aren't progressing the story at all. Like It's almost like when you dream that someone's chasing you and you're trying to get away and you can't get forward, it's this, that's this story. Is, is all these horrible things are happening and the story is not progressing at all. Like they're always right back where they started. Like, Oh yeah. It's cyclical. It totally yeah. is. Yeah. Like every issue is like, you, okay, now I need to still get Batman. I still need to go fix things in the past. Like that's where you were last issue. It's, it's frustrating. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I got all kinds of stuff I could ask you, but I think I, th- I honestly think we'd just be belaboring the obvious point, which is this is kind of a mess. I mean, just for your point, Dustin, you put, well, because in this story, Booster Gold is portrayed as an idiot, right? Yeah. My question I wrote down is, I have, does Tom King have some kind of fetish about Sinai as a serial killer? Question mark. Why does Booster Gold think this will work? Question mark. And I wrote down in pen underneath it, because I try to do a little notes so I don't forget my point sometimes, and it says, because Booster Gold is an idiot? Question mark. <laughs> right? Because, because in this version of Bo- Booster was always supposed to be, like, chauvinistic and capitalistic and cared about money and fame, right? But he wasn't a moron, you know? I mean, like, I'm not going to say he was smart by any means. I mean, that's the only aspect of any kind God of Einstein. intelligence. Yeah. Right. He's he, he, the, the, the only part that he had in relation to intelligence was that he had skeets, which was with him. And, I mean, it's a robot who could answer all kinds of questions for him. So he didn't need to know everything. But he was not just straight acting dumb I mean, like, uh, and the, some of his responses, like, you keep seeing these, like, weird responses that he's had. Like, you saw in the first issue in 45, you saw Hal Jordan shoot himself in the head with his ring, and then he's like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Or, like, this one, you see all the so stuff weird. that happens yeah. with Selena killing everybody, and he's like, great, I solved everything. I'm a true hero. And it's like, what? What did you solve? Like, why do you think this would work? Like, I don't know. Like... Like I said, I'm not going to beat up or labor the point. I mean, it's one of those things where it goes back to that that thing that happened with uh, Tom King when Josh interviewed him at New York Comic Con and asked him some questions about different 
different stuff that happened in some of the issues. And he kept saying, well, as a reader, I want you to try to like, get in the, like imagine what would happen off panel or, you know, outside of the book. I want you to try to get an idea of what happens. And like that response probably frustrated me more than anything is because I don't want to read a comic from a writer and then have to deduce my own ending or come up with my own justification for stuff. That's not why I read comics. I read comics because it's a story, a full-fledged story, not here, fill in the blank. If I wanted to fill in the blank, I'd go buy an ad-lib book and make it funny. I mean, hmm. I don't understand why you need to... Uh, and this is that's what this is coming across, especially since the, the, the issues have these like weird gaps in between... Well, at least the first one, this one did. Super weird, There's yeah. this weird gap, and I don't understand it. And I'm trying to understand, like... What is the reason behind it? And the the other thing that like is super concerning about concerning to me is it's it sometimes feel like because the issue is selling as well as it is, Tom King and I'm not saying this is a bad you know like Tom King is a go is on a, is a, he's a good dude he's not a bad guy I don't I don't want to sit here and say like he's a piece of trash or something because he's not but the thing is like it feels as if there's the sales numbers are somehow blinding him to some of the criticisms that people have given him. Like there are certain things that he, people criticize him for. And he like, for example, the, the wonder woman story, people gave him, uh, they criticized the, the wonder woman story and said, why would you do this? It doesn't make any sense. And obviously there was a whole aspect of that where it was, Oh, well you didn't actually do it. I just had to wait till the next issue. But then there was the issue where we saw it, the the Poison Ivy story where Catwoman is taking down Superman and Flash and everyone's getting super upset about that and saying, why are you doing this? And the thing is, like, I see him respond to some stuff like that on Twitter. Like, you know, I was thinking this or I was thinking that. But the problem is that you shouldn't have to explain what you're thinking every single time you make you make a decision in the story if you want to do something drastic then explain it in the story don't leave it up to interpretation readers are going to try to interpret it in whatever way they think is the right way but everyone's going to argue with everybody else saying that's not the thing that they were intending so all i'm saying is the booster gold story it, it it's not it's a it's a fun it's a fun story because it is outside of continuity but it doesn't belong in the main batman title Especially right now. That's all I'm saying. My last question, and this one will be brief, is does anybody in the world think that there's any way that this story ends in any way other than like an ex machia? What do you mean by that? That it's just going to be suddenly, you know, like an ex machia, just suddenly resolved from out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Like it just, like we're going to get to page 2019 of next month and it's going to be like, oh my God. I think it's going to be like two thirds into the last issue and we'll have like a four page epilogue or something at the end. Where like everything gets reverted back to the way he suddenly feels like he accomplished something so great, and then he ends up talking to Bruce in some way at the very end of the issue. That's the only way I could see this ending. And oh man, it was all a dream. It's a parallel universe. He's his own brother. Ah, uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> we know it's not in continuity, so they could pull that. You know, it's a dream or. You know, it's happening somewhere, you, you know, know, some other earth. But. There should be some kind of cap in comic books. I'm going to hold on. Let me get my soapbox out and climb up on it real fast. Right. There should be some kind of cap in, in the DC universe. I mean, I'm sure in Marvel, too, but I don't read that. Um, that says, like, okay, only once a year can a story be solved by 
parallel universe dream it never happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it does get a little tiring the amount of stories that are solved by magic. And I don't mean like John Constantine's magic. You know what I'm saying? Like, narrative magic. I don't know. This story's not great. That's all I got. One thing I was really worried about in detective comics, which I was totally wrong about, was that the reason Steph was so important is because that love would save the day. And that they were going to use her to, like, lure Tim out of evil Tim. I didn't realize I was worrying about the wrong book. Hey, I was supposed hey, to be... it's, not over, it's not over yet over there. Don't, <laughs> don't count your chickens yet. But still, the fact that this one, like, that's Booster Gold's big plan was a little, ugh, terrible plan. <laughs> Okay, see, I feel like I need to give this, like, two different ratings. One for the fact that it's a Batman book, and one that it would be a weird Booster Gold story. If I was basing this off of it was a Booster Gold miniseries that involved Batman, I'd probably give it a three. But because it's taking place where it is, like I've said twice now, taking place where it is in the main Batman series, I can't give this more than a two. I give it one and a half. It turns one of the most intricate characters in Catwoman into a meow-yelling serial killer which reminds me of the end of Cinti. I'll do it too as well. Two out of five. All right. And over on the site, Corbin gave it three. So that's going to give Batman a total of two out of five Batarangs. Our next book is DC Nation number zero. Now, before I start DC Nation number zero, I want to preface this with there was... So if you don't know what DC Nation is... It's a new magazine comic book type thing that's going to be releasing every single month. And the idea is that it's going to be hinting and giving elements from future upcoming stories. So the kickoff issue for DC Nation was the Zero issue, which actually featured three original stories. One from the upcoming Man of Steel, one from the No Justice, Just League stuff that Scott Snyder's doing, and then one from Tom King's Batman run. The intent here is to get people excited for these three different events that are happening. The wedding, the new direction that they're taking Superman with Brian Michael Bendis coming on to this, the, the character, and then Justice League with the new launch with Scott Snyder taking over Justice League, and then subsequent Justice League Dark and Justice League Odyssey. And so that's what the intent is. The number one issue, which I've seen some preview material for, the, one, the first issue which comes out in the beginning of June, it goes back to basically being kind of like a fanzine, if you know what that is, where... Throwback! The, yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it, it basically, like, it'll have, like, little snippets talking with Jim Lee or Dan DiDio about different projects. They'll give, like, little hints that other characters are going to be popping up in different series and things like that. It's not, like, a huge thing. It's not like a, like a wizard magazine, if you remember those, where it's like super thick and there's all kinds of stories, but there, you know, it's, there's a, there's, there's enough fluff there that there could be something worthwhile for somebody who likes DC comics to find. So that's the intent. The zero issue, however, had a short story that I, I'm going to sum it up as quickly as I can, and then we're just going to talk about it. The entire idea of this story, which was written by Tom King, the entire idea was that joker comes into somebody's house tells him that he's waiting for an invitation because he heard that batman is getting married and he tells the guy who's he's taken hostage at his house 
He says, you know, I'm convinced that his invitation is coming. They have to invite me. They have to invite me. They couldn't not invite me. And then over the course of like a period of time, we keep seeing the Joker and his his range of emotions and the hostage who is convinced that Joker is going to kill him, but he's hoping that the invitation comes and all of that. All of this happens and he says the mail ends up coming. The invitation is not necessarily there, but he's he reads a piece of mail and is convinced that it's the invitation to the wedding. And then in turn, he ends up shooting the guy anyway. So that, that was basically the, the gist of the entire story. So it also said that the story was continued in Batman number 48, which conveniently doesn't even come out until the beginning of June. So again, not sure the idea behind doing that i mean obviously they couldn't say that it's continued in batman number 46 because well that was the booster gold story <laughs> and so was 47 so they couldn't have done that but anyway the thing that i want to discuss here is i want to discuss two things one of them leads into this idea of the joker and the wedding so we talked about this before about is it bruce wayne and selena kyle getting married or is it batman and catwoman getting married and here's here's my concern my concern is that it is Bruce and Selena, but Tom King is blurring the lines and kind of negating the idea that the two different personas of the of the characters are one and the same. And and this is this is the reason I say this. I've read some other issues that are re- referencing the fact that they're getting married and in Justice League there was a reference to the fact that they were getting married and then there was a reference just just this past week in the pages of the flash about them getting married and that means that there are the justice league knows that they're getting married it's not like some secret ceremony the fact that catwoman goes and buys a dress means she's not getting married in her suit which implies that it's going to be bruce and selena tom king made this massive big deal about the guest list being completely secretive and nobody had, nobody except for the editors and himself were knowing 17 the artists list. <laughs> which makes no sense to me as to why the guest list for the wedding has to be such a secretive thing. But here's where it gets strange. The preludes, however, are focusing on a number of villains interacting with members of the Bat family as a lead-up to the wedding. How exactly the villains know that Batman and Catwoman are getting married, I don't understand and I can't get. And this short story dealing with the Joker... While it's not a badly written story, I actually think it was a very well written story it's because cute. it's very simplistic. The th- the problem I have with it is that Joker somehow has heard that Batman and Catwoman are getting married, and if he has heard that, but it's actually Bruce and Selina who are going to be the ones getting married, that implies that the Rogues Gallery can figure out who Batman is just because of who's getting married. There are certain people within the rogues gallery who know who Selena is, so that if Selena was getting married to Bruce Wayne, they're going to be able to put two and two together. And that's my concern. I feel like there's the there's this blurring of the lines of how to tell the story from different points of view. Have the Joker involved, have the Joker involved in some way where he is upset because he doesn't get doesn't get invited to the wedding. Why would the Joker be invited to the wedding anyway? And why would the Joker even know about the wedding unless he knew who Bruce Wayne was? And that's my biggest problem I have with this. Like, I was reading this story and I just kept thinking to myself, all I keep thinking is, why is this even happening? Why are the villains reacting? Like, Ra's al Ghul makes perfect sense to react. 
somebody who, you know, like if Red Hood was actually bad right now, it would make perfect sense for him to get upset. Joker doesn't make any sense. You know, somebody like Poison Ivy, who's been with Selena, who might be potentially brought to the wedding. I don't know how she would not find out about Bruce Wayne's secret identity, but this is the problem. It feels like the secret identity is being blurred just for the sake of telling some potentially interesting stories involving villains getting upset about the wedding taking place. Thoughts? Okay, here's what I got. One on the story itself. I actually enjoyed it. Like you said, it was fun. It was cute. And since it's free, everyone should check this out. It reminded me of, do you remember the Joker, was it an annual by uh, Tynion? Where he had like his friend, and he followed him around, and like remember that it was kind of kind of had that same feel to it. Like yeah. the Joker with a yeah. normal guy, how would that work out? You know, so it was fun. It was enjoyable. Now your second part of it. Okay, so in continuity now, the Joker knows who Bruce Wayne is, right? Off Endgame, so I can actually deal with the Joker knowing about it because he should know that Bruce is Batman, right? But nobody else should. Roz would know. Roz, but no, but like, not like Penguin or, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like, this comes down to how it, I, I think this, and I don't want to be too critical or judgmental about this because it comes, I think it comes down to the truth is we fundamentally, and it's due to lack of anything that we know, we fundamentally don't know what's going on with the wedding. Is it Bruce and Selena? Is it Batman? Yeah, we, we have no oh, idea. Man. You know, and like, the worst the worst part about this is we don't know anything because we just spent we're spending three issues seeing this Booster Gold story. I mean, you could have done like, I, and I don't know what's going on. Maybe there'll be two weddings, which, but then again, that would reek of like, well, wait a minute, Bruce Wayne just married this Selena Kyle woman, and Batman and Catwoman got like, it wouldn't take Tim Drake from A Lonely Place of Dying to put this one together. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, some dude with a newspaper could be like, this seems suspicious. You know, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 maybe there'll be something in the narrative that tells us, hey, it's cool. Like, Joker knew. He's the only guy that knew. And then we'll kind of go, well, wibbly wobbly. You know, like, you know. But, yeah, there is a real disconnect here. But, the, honestly, I can't pan it or do anything about it because I have no idea what's actually happening in the main story. So, it's very tough to judge a crossover's place in the continuity of the main story when I have no idea what the main story is, you know? Looking at the preludes, though, I mean, it's Ra's al Ghul, who knows? There's Hush, who, depending on current continuity, knows. Well, he should know, yeah. Riddler, in the Hush story, found out, and he knew. And then Harley Quinn, you could argue, would probably be the same as Poison Ivy, and she might have figured it out, too. Like, hey, if Selena's Catwoman, and they're both getting married to Bruce Wayne and Batman... So that would be explain Harley Quinn yeah. versus the Joker. And then so the only one left would be Anarchy. And Anarchy's, I don't know, Anarchy's story. I don't know if he knows. C- computer hacker, it's, it's, it's yeah. conceivable. It's possible. Well, I know a little bit about Anarchy. I just don't know his relationship with Batman versus Bruce Wayne. But this goes back, I think you just hit on something right there, Steph, which is, is Bruce Wayne, and I think this is the bigger question you might be asking, Dustin, is Bruce Wayne's secret identity now just not a secret anymore to anybody that matters? Okay, yeah. so the average Joe walking down the street, like, if I existed in Gotham City and I came out of my office, I'm like, I have no idea who Batman is. But does everybody else, every, does, and, and Steph, you're right, every reference you just gave is correct. Tommy Elliott, Joker, Riddler, blah, 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 blah. All the allies know. Um, then most of the allies' family knows, see Jacob Kane, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so is, like, the only person who doesn't know, 
Commissioner Gordon in the whole city? <laughs> oh, man. Like, I mean, like, Ugh. does everybody else know? Like, I just, I agree. It's, it's like, it's, the whole point of Secret Identity, it's supposed to be secret. And at this point, it seems like it's the worst kept secret ever. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is I just keep thinking about no matter which way you look at it, if it's just Bruce and Selena, there are people who Selena has been either partnered with or incarcerated with who know who she is, who knows that she was Catwoman, who know that she's not a secret. Selena. She's a criminal who got right, caught. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So like, that's not a secret. Mm-hmm. So if Bruce Wayne marries Selena, there's that connection. I mean, I guess you could sit there and say. Well, then you have to just make the connection that Bruce Wayne is Batman because Catwoman has been with Batman, which, again, is not super far-fetched. And, yeah, I think it does come down to I'm probably more upset about the idea that the secret identity has been so diluted over the past 15, 20 years. And I think that's probably the biggest issue I'm having is it just doesn't make any sense. And, and, And here's the perspective, okay? If you were a new reader and you hadn't read Hush or you hadn't read... Some or Endgame, for example, because you didn't start reading comics until Rebirth, and you're coming across this Batman story, and you're reading this, and you're thinking to yourself, why would the Joker have any knowledge about the wedding, or care about the wedding, or anything like that? You're not going to know the answer, because it's not being told. Because, again, stuff is being implied in certain aspects of Tom King's stories that shouldn't be implied. Like, there's... like. I've said this before about the editor's notes. This is a perfect example of where they should be used. And it would probably clear up a lot of this stuff. And hopefully, when the preludes come out, if they deal with the idea that all of these characters that are in the preludes, the villains, that is, know who Bruce Wayne is outside of Ra's al Ghul, because that one should be pretty obvious for most people. Outside of that, if they don't explain how they know who Batman is and why they're even involved in these stories... And it's just like, oh, this person's fighting, you know, Hush is facing off against Nightwing or whoever he's facing off. I can't remember who's who, but you've got Hush versus Nightwing for whatever reason. It has something to do with the wedding, but the reason is why does, why is it like that? If it just is a one, because it's a one issue, it's going to be very difficult to show how these characters are all involved and why it all pertains to the wedding, especially since the the preludes are actually going to start before we even get number 48 which is where we are, you know, basically the beginning of the countdown to the wedding because of what's going on right now with the Booster Gold stuff. So the I think the, the biggest thing is it just doesn't seem like, it, I don't know, I think it just goes back to I'm just pissed about the placement of the Booster Gold story. That should have been maybe a whiles back and then maybe we should have a little bit more buildup to the wedding to confirm and kind of iron out some of these smaller details that are just upsetting me because of the fact that I feel I just keep thinking to myself that there's going to be so many unanswered questions for certain things and it's going to come down to that stupid explanation of well you just fill in the blanks or not okay so anyway so just to be clear we're going to give a rating for this Joker story this is not the entire DC Nation story like I said there's a Man of Steel preview story and there's also a Justice No Justice preview Check those out. Ed said it was free. It is free if you digitally, if you download it digitally. It is completely free. If you go to your comic store, you might have to pay a quarter for it. Most comic stores that I, I've been to, were not charging for it because it is such a low cost to them, and they were getting a massive amount of them because of Free Comic Book Day. And there was something they they intended on this actually being the Free Comic Book Day issue, big one. And then what ended up happening was 
something happened where they couldn't get it in time and they couldn't get it announced in time to be part of that so it had to come out separately as part of a normal weekly release so but anyway it's free on digital so if you haven't checked it out check it out but we're specifically rating the joker story and i'm going to give the joker story a total of four out of five yeah four to five the story itself is cool yeah four out of five i agree he's really creepy <laughs> All right, and then over on the site, Tony gave it four, so that's going to give DC Nation number zero, specifically the Joker story, a total of four out of five bad ranks. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 980, written by James Tynion, art by Scott Eaton. At the GCPD, a noisy Harvey looks over Renee's shoulder and shares that she misspelled Clayface in her report. An agitated Renee tells Harvey that he can help her tackle one of the stacks of paperwork, but before he can give a sarcastic comment, Renee excuses herself to answer Kate's incoming call. Kate yells out to get out of the GCPD as soon as possible, and at that moment, a horde of Omax break through the windows and corners the officers. Tim, who is now an OMAC, tells them that he is thankful for what they do, but he needs more soldiers for his army to keep his city safe. He shoots all the officers, except for Renee, with nanotech bullets that spread OMAC virus all over them. Before he can shoot Renee, Kate crashes through the window and kicks him in the jaw. She goads him into killing her because of the future she helps create due to the events in A Lonely Place of Living. Ulysses tells Tim that he it's his call and what they should do with her. Tim authorizes his unit to use lethal force, with Renee pleading for her to not take on the suicide mission. Kate runs out of the GCPD and sprints across the rooftops. Kate asks Bruce, Bruce's crew if they're having a smoother time than she is. In an elevator shaft, Bruce, Cassandra, and Stephanie meticulously scale the walls while trying to avoid all the sensors. Bruce asks Steph if her drones are holding up to the, the amount of work that they are they are under since they are masking the team's presence from Brother Eye. As they approach the air vent, Steph tells Bruce that her drones will not be able to hold out for much longer. Bruce tells the team that they will need to act fast as an alarm sound. Ulysses turns and sees the group heading his way. He panics and tells Tim that he should return to base because Batman has arrived. Tim, who is in pursuit of Kate, says that he wants to eliminate her, but she calls him out on his hypocrisy. Tim tries to have Kate thrown out of the family because uh, she stopped the, a justly level threat that would have killed hundreds of civilians and destroyed all of Gotham, but she decided to but she stopped it by killing Clayface. She tells him that he is not as innocent as he claims to be. He responds that future Tim had not seen the future and what she does to destroy the Bat family and legacy. Cat goes on the offensive, but quickly is disarmed. At the Belfry 2.0, Steph is stumped by the advanced nature of the code due to it being from an alternate timeline future. She tells the group that she recognizes the fundamental base layer and will, and given enough time, she might be able to find a way to get through. Brother Eye tells her that that is unlikely. Bruce tasks Cass with protecting Steph while he walks towards Brother Eye. Brother Eye tells Bruce that he was an inadequate father and laments how Bruce created him, and then placed him on a shelf. He states that Tim recognized that he was needed. Together, he and Tim can fix what Bruce has broken. At that moment, two Omax attack Bruce. 
Tim, with his nanites, shows Kate what she did in the future. With the colony soldiers at hand, she enters the Batcave and executes Bruce. Because of this, Tim cannot allow her to live, as the future depends on it. Brother Eye tells Steph that her attempts are futile, and he tells her that there is no hope for salvation. Steph and Cass, uh, they are unwanted cast-offs from the Bat family. Brother Eye shares that they do not know what has been taken from them, or what their future could have looked like. He shows them a hologram of them in their Batgirl uniforms from pre-Flashpoint, and he shows them that they were actually part of the family, not destined to be the outsiders that they are now. Steph starts laughing. With a confused Brother Eye listening, Steph tells him that he wanted to hurt them by showing how lowly they are in compassion to the alternate timeline, but all he showed her was their true potential that they are loyal members of the Bat family. Steph tells him that with the knowledge and access of the entire history of the alternate timeline, she will use every piece of information to destroy. All right, so that's the issue. So a couple things. First off, the major thing here is the reveal of the pre-Flashpoint Batgirls. Steph and Cassandra now know that they were previously Batgirls in a separate timeline. Obviously, there's some shenanigans happening here with the timelines, but the question is, uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of the Brother Eye showing them that they're still Batgirls, and then the outcome of Steph saying, now that we know this, we're going to fight even harder? I stood up and cheered when I read this <laughs> issue. I was so excited. It made me really happy. Maybe wrongly so, but... No, it's not wrongly so at all. Do you want to know what we think the implications of them realizing they were Batgirls or Robins? Well, I think, I mean, it explains slightly what the implications are. I mean, there it seems like what we've built towards up to this point was Cassandra feeling like an outcast. They, they made that very clear. She felt like she was an outsider, like she did not belong. She didn't feel like she was supposed to be here. At one point, she thought that she was going to be put down, which was crazy and i thought at the time what in the world but now it kind of makes sense they were trying to build up the character to be feel to make you understand that she feels like she's completely on the outside of everything steph is the exact same way she has been on the complete outside ever since a lonely place of living happened or even before that at the very beginning when tim died she's been on the outs with everything that's been going on for a while and it just feels like the reason why she's been on the outs is because she didn't have that connection to Tim Drake. Then Tim Drake comes back, but then he's disconnected because he feels things very differently than she does because of how she interprets what their future is and how he now has decided that his future is staying as Red Robin instead of going to school like he originally planned at the beginning of the run of the series. That all being said... Now that they know that they're back, that, that in this other timeline that they were Batgirls and they were literally brought into the fold, they were actually Bat members, had a bat on their chest, knowing that they belong. I think that, if anything, the downfall of Brother Eye is surely going to be the idea that these two very capable women are... are <laughs> They know that they are not just outcasts anymore, that they have the ability to potentially get that get to that timeline where they can be members, you know, full-fledged members of the Bat family. And I think those two are probably looking like looking for something like that more than anything else. That's the one thing that would probably make them like follow Batman to the end of the earth. I kind of don't understand what Brother's Eye's plan was with showing him this, to be honest with you. Like again, this seems to be the month of or the week 
the two week cycle of not a good plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think this rejuvenates them. I think that it brings them closer to the fold. And one would hope that maybe it actually brings them closer to becoming Batgirls again in mm-hmm, continuity. Mm-hmm. As we've talked about the possible switch of Barbara going back to more of an Oracle role, I would like to see them both. I would like to see Steph as Batgirl, and I realize that having two Batgirls at once is problematic. So I would like to see Batgirl and Black Bat. But, yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. I think them coming into the fold is is what's necessary. I mean, what is the thing that's been missing? And I know, Dustin, you were really hoping that Rebirth was going to bring this back, especially with Detective, which was supposed to be the, the Batman family book, for lack of a better term. Right? The sense of a... Of, I know how much you enjoy the Bat family. Right? Oh, yeah. So, like... What's the point, and this isn't meant to sound callous or jerky, but what's the point of having a bat family is all they do is stab each other in the back and hate each other half the time, right? And you just get upset with each other. It's just... They're always pissed I mean, like, at each other. They want to be in the yeah, same room like, with each other. Like the, the the worst part about the interpretations that we've seen is like you see like Nightwing and Batgirl get together either in Nightwing's book or Batgirl's book or they have phone conversations. But most of the time it's not like... And this isn't always true because there are times where... They have just had a phone call and it's just a friend talking to a friend. Or we've seen Damien interacting with, with uh, Jason or with Dick in in various different books. It's, it's not that it doesn't happen, but most of the time, the only times where you see the entire Bat family interacting together at once is they're all arguing with each other. They're all pissed at each other about something or they're all upset about some choice that one of them made. And most of the time it's Bruce. But I mean, like that's that's what that's what we've okay. seen over the last like six years, and it's annoying. Well, I mean, you know, think about it. They they only seem like you said they, they, the last time we had a big get together of the quote unquote core family, it was to pass judgment on Kate. Like, why don't we have them get together? Like, I always liked the when you had Dick and Damien get together, or Jason and Barbara. It doesn't matter. It's not. I'm not. It doesn't matter which members of the family I'm talking about here. But when they got together, and you always had those like three or four issue crossovers where two of them got together and fought a villain, and the the highlight of the story was never the villain story. Who cares, right? It was the interaction between the family members, right? Like that was the good part of the story, at least for a reader like me. So I get like sometimes you need to have a conflict. I understand how narratives work, but there's a time where it just becomes stupid, and I think that that is what is highlighted here. Like just get the band back together in a way. I, w- you know? I wonder if this is their way of kind of because you can't argue that Steph and and Cassandra are the most lost. Like they're the ones that just feel no direction. That's because they were dumped back into Rebirth after New Fifty Two, where they basically didn't exist, right? So maybe this is is introducing them to what they've lost, and they start to recognize that, and maybe it starts to breathe a little bit more family unity. As, as they all start realizing what it is that was taken from them. And this is just Cass and Steph's introduction. Yeah, and I think I, when this issue came out, I remember I read something online talking about how there's clearly something here related to Dr. Manhattan because of the timelines. Obviously, we don't know how it's all going to work out. But there are certain elements of this issue that make me feel like this was not initially intended for right now, but they're doing it right now because Tynan is leaving and he wants to make sure that he gets certain aspects of his story out there so that they exist. And this backroll thing seems slightly forced in the, the sense of, like Ed said, like, why would Brother I show them this? Why would he not realize that this is a bad move? But at the same time, 
the way, like, if you're thinking of just a generic cackly, ha, 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 I got to tell you the villain plan and look what you lost, ha, ha, ha. Obviously, this would be a, a generic thing that could happen. The problem is Brother Eye is not supposed to do stuff like that because it's a computer AI system and they, it's obviously going to calculate that this is a very, a very bad idea that being said having it introduced i'm completely okay with it because as as we've all said like bringing them back into the fold is is a good thing so i'm fine with it but i wonder if tynan was on the book longer and his initial plan was to go to 1000 which would have came out in march of next year the doomsday clock stuff would have wrapped up originally before the adjusted timeline for release that should have wrapped up before the detective comics number 1000 so my theory is that this stuff related to the timelines and the reveal that the the you know that these that that uh, steph and Cass were back girls in a separate timeline this probably would have happened at a se- at a different time and probably made a little bit more sense given what will happen in doomsday clock but the pro i mean like and that's the thing like i know like I don't know for sure because I don't know that Tynan is actually going to go out there and say that that was his intent. Maybe six months from now he might say something like that once the issues are out and he's not thinking about it. But I don't know that, you know, I don't know for sure, but it feels like that was his intent. His intent was to get this. His intent was to deal with some of this timeline stuff. That's why we had the whole situation with Mr. Oz and Tim Drake with the, the that whole story a only place of living i mean th- that clearly happened because of something that was related to doomsday clock but whatever happened it ended up everything got condensed and i think only place of living might have actually released a little bit sooner than originally planned just because they realized that that tynan was going to be off the book and he needed to wrap up stuff that he wanted to wrap up beforehand so i think that his entire run for at least the last year suddenly got condensed a lot towards the the back half of his last year just because he wanted to make sure that certain things got done that all being said I'm sure that once Doomsday Clock wraps up and we get closer to 1000 just because of the sake of Doomsday Clock wrapping up, a lot of things are probably going to make a little more sense going back and reading this issue. That's my prediction. The other thing I want to talk about is, so the the one thing that I was slightly confused by in this issue was, so we went from the last issue where Tim was being controlled by the Omax, basically taking orders, or he was being controlled in a way where the general was basically making him do certain things. To this issue, he has less control, and the other, he, he's specifically seeking out and giving orders himself, dictating to do certain things. And I, and I guess there was a slight disconnect for me as to why suddenly he's completely taken over by the Omax is full as far as his like mind maybe i missed something i just was wondering if you guys remember anything happening in the last issue that made it so that tim would not have complete control over his mind because the fact that he says like use lethal force on batwoman just doesn't come across i mean it's further cementing this idea that tim has gone rogue and he's bad and and, and batwoman's like see bruce i told you so he's he's bad but it doesn't make any sense given the conflict that we saw in the last issue. We don't see Tim thinking, do you? You only see like I thought. What had the talking? I yeah, thought what had control talking. of him was the future I robot Tim brain thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just the Omac yeah. thing. 
you know? Yeah, I guess the, the, the part that confused me, I think, the most was when he was like, like when the general's like, well, it's up to you. What do you want to do with, with Kate? And he's like, well, and then he gives the order for lethal force. And I guess if you look at it in the regards of we're not actually, we're just seeing the OMAC talking and not his inner thing. Yeah, that makes sense. But I guess the confusion I have is how exactly do they know that that is him other than he's saying that it's him? Couldn't anybody just say it's him? I guess, but... Well, as a reader, though, we're reading the Brother Eye speech bubble, so... No, 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 I I know that, I'm saying, but, like, as Kate, Mm -hmm. how does she know that that's actually Tim inside the OMAC suit? Like, she hears the OMAC voice that is Tim, or whatever, she thinks it's Tim. I don't know. I'm probably just looking too much into this. Yeah. I I mean, she probably briefed with Cass, because Cass saw Tim being taken over and what he looks like, and they probably briefed each other. Off panel. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to. I guess I, I, I'm looking too far into it. I, I was just trying to figure out. Like, it, it just feels like they're building this weird thing towards Tim being this bad person and Kate convinced that he's this bad person because of what he's doing, but he doesn't have any control over it. So I was just thinking in my mind. Why is she so convinced that it's him? I think she's so convinced because Batman Tim from the future wants to kill her. It's true. You know what I mean? But what was the thing that, like, suddenly sparked... Like, obviously, she killed Clayface, but that all happened after the whole Bat-Tim from the future wanted to kill her. So the thing that that I'm trying to understand is what in Tim's brain would have, like, made him snap to say, you know what, I'm just going to become a murderous person after I just made this big deal about you killing Clayface. Like, in Kate's mind, being the somewhat detective that she is... What is making her believe that he went from, you know, arguing that he was right and she was wrong to now he wants to kill her and and feeling convinced that this is actually Tim? Because it feels like she believes that this is Tim Drake and he's just hell-bent on killing her. I, I, the only thing I can subscribe that whole thing to is future Tim. Like, that she's just got a p- problem with him. You know what I'm saying? I guess long-term, that doesn't bode well for the future of their relationship. But Not unless they have a, a sit-down steak dinner. <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay. Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. Uh, three and a half out of five. It's fine. It's good. Three and a half. All right. So over on the website, Tony gave it four and a half. So it's going to give Detective Comics a total of four out of five batterings. Let's move over to the website for Greater Gotham. <laughs> First up, on May 2nd, Main TV Books, where we talked about Batman number 46, Nightwing number 44, as a new kind of virtual reality gains popularity in Bloodhaven, Nightwing investigates a new threat that uses technology as a weapon. This is you by Paul. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Harley loves Joker. Harley and Joker are all moved into their new digs, but the prospect of the pad being blown up by the builders and the appearance of a new rogue keep throwing a wrench in the works. This by David. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Unexpected thumbs up. <laughs> no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe. We already talked about DC Nation number zero. Deathstroke number 31. As Deathstroke's plane is shot down in the Middle East, Bruce Wayne faces threats. There are more underhanded nature in 
Gotham. This is by Ian. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. And if you're wondering why we're covering Deathstroke, this is the this is Damien. the second issue yeah. in the Damien Paternity saga. We'll just leave it at that. Secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 17, which included digital chapters number 33 through 34, the Bombshell versions of Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Victoria October, Frankie Charles, Batgirl, Joker, Joker's Daughter, Riddler, Bruce Wayne, Question, Talia Ghoul, Harper Rowe, Tim Drake, Beck Kane, Cullen Rowe, Kathy DeQuince, uh, Nell Little, Killer Croc, Batman or Batwoman, Scarecrow, and Black Bat all appear in the issue. I feel like they're just going all out with having as many characters as they possibly can appear in those issues. Green Lanterns, number 46, Batman appears in the issue. Moving over to May 9th, we have main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 22. Calculator closes in on discovering the true identity of Oracle. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 22. Artemis faces off with Lex Luthor as Bizarro comes to grips with his with losing his intelligence. This is by Paul. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral? Neutral. Secondary TV books, Batman White Knight number 8, Batman and the GTO unit race towards the Freeze Cannon as this epic tale reaches its conclusion. This is by Adele. He gave it 4.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Main DC Universe books, Just League No Justice number 1. Four brothers decide to have an eating contest to prove which one of them is better. Antics ensue. This is by Corbin. He gave it 2.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Suicide Squad number 41. Batman helps Deadshot escape custody from Amanda Waller in order to save Lawton's daughter. This is by Bob. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, thumbs down. Neutral. Secondary DC Universe books. The Flash number 46. Alfred appears in the issue. New Superman and the Justice League of China, number 23. The Batman of China and Robin Bot appear in the issue. Sideways, number 4. Gotham City continues to play the backdrop for the story. And then finally, TBU trades and hardcovers have released over the past two weeks include Harley Quinn, Volume 5, Vote Harley, Trade Paperback, Nightwing, The New Order, Trade Paperback, Suicide Squad, Rebirth, Deluxe Edition, Volume 2, Hardcover, Zero Hour, Crisis in Time, Hardcover, and Batman Detective Comics Volume 2 Deluxe Edition Hardcover. So that's everything that released in the past two weeks. If we gave a thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral rating to those books, those have full reviews over on the site. You can check out those, especially if you're not picking up every single book. You can keep up to date with all of the specific happenings that are happening in all of the books that are releasing. So check it out over on the site under comics all right next before we get into our listener q a's i want to take this moment real quickly to thank our patreon supporters thank you lisa jerry no deuces stephanie ian robert anthony and emil thank you very much for supporting tbu if you are so inclined to support tbu please head over to patreon or patreon.com slash the batman universe and support us and every little bit helps even a single dollar Just so everyone is aware, um, after episode number 250, we'll be actually reformatting our our, uh, Patreon reward tiers, coming up with some new rewards and some new things that people can get. I will say the only thing I'm for sure on right now is, is shirts. 
So if you're interested in getting some unique stuff, Patreon is the way to support us. If you are not interested in supporting us on Patreon, but you'd like to share your skills and volunteer your time with us, email me at tbu.batmanuniverse.net. We're always looking for graphic designers, web developers, audio editors, video editors, comic book reviewers, content writers, news writers, all kinds of stuff. So if you have any skills that you'd like to volunteer for TBU, get in touch with me at tbu at thebatmanverse.net. Finally, we're going to get into our listener Q&As. <laughs> Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! Ah! And we happen to only have one... And it comes from Ian. So Ian starts out with, Welcome, Steph. Also, you share your name with the best character ever. I agree. (laughs) I'm pretty annoyed that digital codes are ending for the monthly titles. Someone suggested that they may be changing digital policies to go with DCU Universe Online streaming stuff, but if so, they shouldn't have cut it off until the streaming was launched. As it is, it's a huge letdown. I don't see the outrage and contacting DC on social media that encouraged Marvel to revert their policy when they tried this last year, sadly. I still maintain that King's biggest problem with Batman is that he's being forced to work too quickly. He needs time to make sure the details and little elements that have emotional impact work correctly. The novelizations of classic comic storylines is something Marvel's been doing for a few years, and I don't know that it's a really great idea. I would hope that they'd make the Court of Owls ending more satisfying and at least do a better job adapting the Barbara Gordon section that the animated film for Killing Joke. Oh, don't ever bring that up. <laughs> don't. Just don't. Ian, don't. The No Man's Land book is no longer in print, but the audiobook by Graphic Audio is available. It's pretty pricey, but very nice. There are different actors reading each character and lots of sound effects, so it's almost like a radio drama. Yeah, real quick before we get into that, so I I agree that the novelizations could be a good thing, but they could be a bad thing too. I'm more interested to see the the holes that they fill in. And I gotta say, what would be really interesting, especially since I keep complaining about this in this specific episode, is if Tom King's one of Tom King's stories ends up getting a novelization because that that writer who takes over the story would have a lot of free reign to just add whatever mm-hmm. they wanted into oh, it. Into <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay, anyway. The Detective Comics number 980 cover is extremely exciting for a fan of Stephen Cass's Batgirl. I really hope their stories are respected and honored and not twisted into some kind of failure like they did with Oracle in the New 52 Burnside Batgirl run, Digital Babs. I love Steph drinking the purple grape soda. Very fun touch. As for her doing nothing, she clearly has a big wall of crazy with strings and pin photos. So she's tracking something in Gotham, even if it, she's not currently running around on the streets. Yeah, and I think uh, I was probably a little... I, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember if it was me, but I want to say it was me. Like, she's just sitting around doing nothing, waiting for for Bruce to... Or for something else to happen. And I probably was a little bit too harsh. Because I did notice the the conspiracy wall. Which is clearly what it, it's trying to imply. So I'm, I'm sure she is out there doing something. I think I was more in the lines of. I was trying to think to myself. Why is she just sitting around the costume? If she. Like the whole thing was. She was giving up on being spoiler. But then she was in the costume. I think that was more what I was questioning more so than like the fact that she's not doing anything because she probably is doing something but 
it just was weird that she was in her costume when it seemed like she was giving that up for the time being. So well, you got to be really careful with 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 what stuff's going on there because she could end up getting like a shed and having a beautiful mind situation. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you gotta you gotta watch out for that. That could get a problem. Well, yeah. I was thinking it was me that said that because. I mean, I remember having that thought, but it's also, I mean, she's obviously not taking care of herself that well. She's only eating canned food and soda and like her mail is everywhere and her outfit is out in the open for anyone visiting her to come see. And I don't even know if it's Welch's grape soda. So it could, <laughs> that could be a generic soda. It could be yeah, which worse. I don't think, I don't even know if, that, was that even in the episode? I, I feel like we had that conversation <laughs> after the episode. No, it was in. I don't know. But they cut it out. Uh, <laughs> Wait, they cut it out? Yeah, I, I was waiting for it the whole time, and it never showed well, up. I don't think it was cut out. I think it was after we ended, rec- after we stopped recording, because we were talking about some other stuff, and we had this like massive ten minute conversation, <laughs> which then I had to try to summarize to tell my wife about because I wanted to know if she ever had it, because she's been some, she's been other places that I haven't. Has she had it? No, no, she she's not a, a fruit pop person either. So, so fat oh, fans out there, Welch's grape soda <laughs> essentially is awesome, and Dustin's essentially never had it. So that's what you mean. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. We had a uh, ten minute conversation after the last episode about grape pop, as I call it, but grape soda that Ed calls it because we're from different parts of the United <laughs> States, and it had little to do with. It didn't have any enough. It had, it had nothing to do with spoiler or detective comics or the fact that she was drinking grape soda. It had more to do with the fact that I mentioned something about pineapple Fanta that I had when I was at Disney World on vacation. And then he said something about grape soda. And it was a conversation that really just spun into a million different things. But and, and including Ed trying to find me some Welch's grape soda on eBay. Which is so. apparently not a thing. But if anyone... Has some grape soda, some well, not any like generic grape soda, but like Welch's grape soda, and you're willing to ship it to the Chicago area, please email tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Yes. All right, so continuing on. He says, I definitely feel Ed. I don't understand Creature of the Night at all. Yeah, it's dumb. I'm sorry. No, I know. It's, no, it's, it's not, not dumb. dumb. It's just. Man, it's not dumb. I just, I just, it feels like I'm. You cannot get it, but it is not dumb. I've been doing a lot of research lately for personal reasons about child neglect and uh, abuse and just trauma, and so this one was just super interesting for me because it's like, wow, this guy internalized everything, and now he's a Batman. <laughs> but that was pretty cool. But can you read the New Mother Panic Run without reading the first arc? I tried the first few issues when Rebirth started and was very confused by the art, so I didn't continue. So the the easy answer, there's an easy answer. Yes, you can. You can read the new Mother Panic run without reading the first arcs. The only thing that you might be confused by, well, well, honestly, I don't know that you would. So the first arc, or not arc, but the first, like, volume of Mother Panic. Two trades, basically. Yeah, those issues released and told its own story about this character you'll find out you'll learn like the back history of like how she became who she is why she has specific powers or abilities i shouldn't say powers because they're not super powers abilities and you'll you, you'd come to find out a little bit more about her history of the character by reading the first volume the second volume is actually taking place after the milk wars f- event but you don't have to read the Milk Wars either to know what's going on because basically during the Milk Wars, Mother Panic 
is involved in some craziness where she gets well the milk wars was a crazy event to begin with but the the gist of what happened is that like there was a corporation who was basically making people hallucinate things through milk and in mother panic's hallucination batman was a priest and robins were all of the boys that were his like followers or the people that he was preaching to it's a very weird twisted thing but the fallout which is the new mother panic which is mother panic gotham ad actually takes place 10 years in the future after the events of the first volume and it's just set in a area like a time frame where like things are very different so you don't actually have to know that much about Mother Panic. I mean, like, I guess you could read a wiki thing just to catch up on her abilities and, like, her history. But you don't really have to know that much because they're presenting a lot of information that is not relevant to what happened in the first volume, even though it is written by the same person. So the thing is, like, you could pick it up and start reading it. And it's just like a, it's like another one of those elseworldy type books without being elseworlds where it's 10 years in the future gotham is very different characters that you know like the joker appears catwoman appears there's characters that exist but they're extremely different than the versions you know now because of this weird time jump that has happened so you can definitely pick up the second volume and honestly i'm actually liking the second volume maybe a little bit more than the first volume it's long-time listeners will have been exposed to my kind of dislike of batman beyond this is a better version of batman beyond i would agree opinion. and i think the whole reason Real, it's, it's better is because it doesn't go ridiculously far into the future where everything has to like you're just wiping the slate clean and just having a batman yeah no i i, I think that this is the only book out of the whole young animal thing that i was kind of like ah you know like i think this book is really cool and i like the original mother panic too i mean it's it's definitely mature audience and stuff you know, but I think it's it's Ian. I think it's worth your time to read it. I really do. Find yourself a get a copy of a trade cheap or or wait for one of those digital sales that never seem to happen. But I do think it's worth reading. But I think the the Batman Beyond Mother Panic stuff. I think if they want to keep doing a Batman Beyond book, I think that this storyline and like Dustin said, I think because the timeline is so close, you know, I find this to be infinitely more enjoyable. Okay, so that is the end of Ian's comment, and that is all the comments we have it's a little short right now as far as comments go but that seems to happen every year about this time we get a few comments and then the summer happens and we get a bunch more comments so hopefully if you're listening to this and you have comments or things you'd like us to discuss in the future you can leave your comments on the episode and we will talk about those on a future episode also i am going to tell everybody right now our plans for episode 250 which I have been putting off forever. I have finally figured out what we're going to do. I'm not going to reveal everything, but I am going to reveal that it is going to release on June 15th. We will have a group of co-hosts, not just Steph and, and Ed and myself. We're going to have a bunch of other people, some some comic book reviewers and staff members from the site, past co-hosts from the past that are going to join us. There's going to be a bunch of people who are going to be discussing things. But basically, you can expect to hear a retrospective history of the comic cast and how it has changed over the years. Some of the other things that you can expect to hear is the panel that is present for the episode is going to talk about some of our favorite coverage over the years. Things that we liked, whether it be comic book reviews, news, events, 
things like that. What is some of the favorite things that we've done here on TBU for the comic cast? And then another segment we're going to be doing is what did you wish we covered? This is going to basically be a small segment where everybody who's part of the panel for the episode is going to talk about something that they wish that we either would have covered, something like recent, like Batman White Knight, or something that we didn't cover, like Grayson, because we just weren't covering the, the greater Gotham stuff at the time. Or it could even be something where... You know, I we re- they really wish we were around back when like No Man's Land was out, so that we could talk about No Man's Land as it was releasing. So it could be a past series that was before the comic cast existed. It could be something that we didn't cover as part of the comic cast because of the constraints of the time that we've had recently with the expansion of the. This isn't recently. We've we've been doing this for a while, but the longer discussions we've had on the Bat spe- Batman specific books and the fact that we haven't been doing the Greater Gotham books since uh, basically back when Ed and I were doing the Point Five cast, which like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, if you've been around long enough to hear those episodes, I mean, thank you for sticking around because some of those Point Five episodes were even rough for Ed and I to be recording. So now, uh, and for the for the big two fifty two, I want everyone to know that Dustin has finally made good on his promise, and he's gonna let me drink while we record. <laughs> That's fine. I yeah, sure, sure. Really? Sure. I guess if on a Sunday afternoon when we're recording, if that's what you got to do, you got to do it. But we'll have a couple of other surprises that will be part of the episode. We'll also on that episode we'll announce the we'll announce the new Patreon tier system that we're going to be doing. And this episode, like I said, we're just going to release on June fifteenth. It's not going to disrupt our normal release schedule. It's going to be coming off in a normal off week, so you'll actually get three weeks in a row of Comic Cast, which is I'm sure for some of you is great, and some of you are like, oh god, this guy for three weeks, great. But uh, hopefully, there's not that many people like that because I imagine. You wouldn't keep listening if you were annoyed by me that much, but if uh, but basically just so you just so everybody knows this episode uh, because May is a five Wednesday week month the next episode episode number two forty nine won't get us for another three weeks but then you'll get us three weeks in a row so then you'll get episode two forty nine then you'll get episode two fifty the next Friday and then episode two fifty one on the next Friday so. You'll wait an additional week this time around, but then you'll get an additional episode in the midst of it. So in the meantime, you can obviously check out the other podcasts we have to offer. Right now, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake is still doing their radio drama as you're listening to this. The third chapter has released out of the, the, the chapters that he's releasing over the course of May, so be sure to check out Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. There's a new episode of Back of the Oracle. There's new episodes of Bat Fans. There's new commentaries. Gotham the Chronicles will be wrapping up for the season. Um, shortly here so there's a lot of content as far as podcasts go as far as written content on the site there's always tons of news every friday those of you who appreciate dc universe film world there's a wrap-up that dan does over on the site talking about all the news and rumors and complete garbageness that happens uh, as far as the rumors go um, related to the DC films and he debunks some of them and uh, just reports the other stuff so be sure to check that out that's on Fridays last week in the Batcave is on Mondays from Jessica and then we have comic reviews Monday, Wednesdays Thursdays and Fridays every single week related to all the Bat books, the main DC Universe books that we cover here on the Greater Gotham as well. So, tons of content, and outside of that, there's always all kinds of other stuff that we're doing too. Special reviews for animated releases, there's one for 
Batman Ninja up there right now. There's one coming for there's while you're listening to this, there's one for the latest Lego DC Superhero Girls film, all kinds of stuff. And then there's obviously original content too. Uh, there's going to be the second, the long-awaited second uh, edition of the Birds of Prey roster article that Ian was putting together. That's coming. There's also going to be an article that might be out by the time you're listening to this related to Barbara Keene. As some of you may know from Gotham, Barbara Keene's comic origins and her role within the comics. There will be an article on that. So lots of stuff. Be sure to check it all out. Obviously, like I said, news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and obviously the comics as well. While you're listening to this, the solicitations will be posting, so be checking the site for those too. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. Reviews on iTunes are always greatly appreciated. Support us if you can through Patreon. Otherwise, leave us comments. Those are always greatly appreciated, almost as much as the the monetary donations so that is everything for this episode this is dustin this is ed this is Steph. and you've been listening to the batman universe comic podcast we'll see you guys in three weeks